A stifling performance by the Los Angeles Kings tonight as they beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-1. It was 2-1 going to the third. And through 13 and a half minutes of the third period, the Oilers had managed only four shots on goal. And then Connor McDavid ejected a major penalty for boarding Adrian Kempe. And then the Kings poured it on on the five-minute man advantage, scoring thrice to round out the scoring in this 5-1 victory. 40-22, the final shots on goal in favor of Los Angeles. Let's go downstairs. Here's head coach Dave Tippett. Dave, Zach, and a few other guys just said that, you know, L.A. executed their game plan early and you guys didn't really respond until it was too late again. Do you agree with that? We, we, this has been coming for a while here. Been coming for a while. We've been masking it with some special team stuff, but we haven't played well. and We haven't had enough guys play well for a while. So it's uh, one of those games that it, uh, it was a 2-1 score, but we weren't good enough in it, and then... Uh, give up some power play goals at the end. Is that a good wake-up call? Can it can it be a positive that sometimes you know, as you mentioned, you're masking when you're winning that guys don't. Well, there's some there's some adversity that you got to go through. I don't mind some adversity, as long as you react the right way to it. But we've got some players that uh, we've got too many guys that aren't contributing enough to to help us here. You know, and like I say, when your your special teams are good or your goaltending can steal your game. Those things get masked, but we need we need some more for some throughout our lineup. Hi, Dave. Over what was your take on the McDavid major at the end of the game and uh, how you guys responded? I haven't looked at it close enough yet. You know, he the guy turns out to him. I don't know if Connor just nicked him, but he goes down. Looks like he's hurt, but he's on the next first power play. I don't know. And I'll look. I'll look at it again. I, I, I didn't. I didn't see an injury on it, but they said there was an injury. Uh, three goals in a couple of minutes on the PK. PK had been pretty good up until that point. Was it kind of just an emotional sag, maybe that that they got the jump on you? Or... No, we're talking about talking about trying to. You got a six minutes to go, and you got a five-minute penalty. You got to try to recognize if you can get a chance or two to get going the other way. You know. Now that being said, you'd like to get it killed too. So. When they got the first one, you got to chase a little more, and it just snowballs. So, uh, help us understand. Like, it, you know, the record's really good, but the, the way the team's been playing hasn't been really good. Is it? Is it time for? Uh, we played. We played good at times, but other times not so good. We, we, you know, there's there's different parts of our game that are good that you do enough well enough, do some things well enough to win, and you can find ways to win. But sometimes, like this, when when you're uh, yeah, we didn't. We looked out of sync right from the get-go. I was worried yesterday in practice, coming back, not a lot of juice in practice. I was worried yesterday, and I, I, uh, my thoughts came true today. So, when you lose a game like this, Dave, is it, you know, when you lose because your your depth guys, you don't have enough guys? Can no, no, no. It's not. This this was everybody tonight. It's not depth guys. It's everybody tonight. We didn't play well enough as a group tonight. And does it, you know, does it concern you from a big picture standpoint? The issue with this team is, you know, when the chips are down, you only had a couple of guys contributing. Does this uh, worry you on a big stage? No, I think some adversity is good for us right now. It's a recognition that we have to get better as a whole group, not, not singling anybody out. As a whole group, we're going to have to get better. The thing about it is we knew we had to get better. We know we're going to have to get better where we are. You know, we've had a good start. We've done some good things, but we've got to get way better if we're going to be a, a real top competitive team. And 
you're going to go through some ups and downs. These downs show you how much you got to get better. One of the players who had lots of competitive fire tonight looked to be Darnell Nurse out the last two weeks. How did you see his game? Yeah, it's good to get back. Obviously, he's he's been raring to go for a week, so he skated hard. He's well rested. He looked like it. It's good. I mean, he just he takes a lot of minutes when we're uh, when we got the injuries we do on the left side there. It's it's uh, there's a lot of minutes that they've got to get eaten up there, and it's good to have him back. And Nima Lainen's minutes just keep going up. How did you see his game tonight? Lots of hitting. He's 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 a hard player. You know the thing about him, we like his physical play. You know his attitude to get involved in the game. Uh, the area of his game that has to continue to improve is his puck play, making a first pass out, just making the right decisions. But he's a he's an interesting player. He's a hard player to play against. And, you know, there's some areas of his game that we that we like, but there's still is you know a young player. We're early in his early in his NHL career. Thank you, Dave. Given that you guys are 16 and seven and, and doing quite well in terms of the standings, is it almost a blessing in disguise that this little blip has come at the start of December, where you have some time to kind of work out some kinks here? Well, it's never a blessing in disguise when you lose, but they're saying we don't talk any different about this game is what we did five games ago and we didn't play well but we won you know so there's when you get schwacked like this a little bit that that puts a little more recognition on it but we're we're trying to we're trying to muck through here with some pretty serious injuries and we recognize we we can play way better it doesn't matter about the injuries there's there's parts of our game that aren't good enough right now there's some puck battle stuff, some wall battle stuff, some execution with the puck, things that allow you to play a lot faster and a lot harder, and we're not doing enough of that right now. Like, you watch our puck play as slow, or we lose too many battles and end up chasing pucks, and that's that just didn't happen tonight. That's been going on for a little time now. The, the whole chasing the game aspect and giving up the goal is, you know, is it starting to kind of come to a head now, where a lot of times this year you've been able to the battle back and it's yeah. kind of catching up a little bit yeah it catches up you want to have a good start to the game talked about it before we went on the ice we wanted to have a good start to the game we went first shift we give up a great a chance then we end up losing a puck battle along the boards and it's back of the net so those are things that we talk about all the time but you got to get out there and do them so, Dave, when you talk about the, those puck battles, is, and you played, is, is that just a, a mental thing? Is it just an effort thing? What, what is it that's lacking? It's an execution. It's an execution. you got to be able to make plays under pressure. And it's sometimes there's a guy on your back, you got to make that play. It's not just all easy plays flowing around. you got to stop and go, and you got to use your body to protect the puck and make a good play, and not a play that... Good plays aren't just the ones that send people for breakaways. They're the play that 10 feet in your own end to get you out of trouble. Or a wall play that uh, comes around the wall, you make the execution. The D's pinching on you and you make a good play and get it to the guy to, to get it out. Those are the things that we're lacking right now. First play below our goal line, wall play, turnovers, those are the things that leave us chasing the game. And those are all areas we'll have to improve. And you mentioned that Right before the game, you're like, hey, guys, let's let's have a good start. And then you kind of do the opposite. So um, how frustrating is that? How can, you, how can you get out of that funk of having a slow start that you seem to be in way more than... Uh, you can execute better. You can execute better. Like the, the level of execution, and again, I go back to the, the speed of our execution isn't very good right now. 
Some of that is, is uh, personnel. Some of that is just getting the job done. And that's, uh, that's where we have to improve. All right, thanks. Oilers head coach, that's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. They lose 5-1 to the Los Angeles Kings tonight. And Tippett, pretty blunt there, says uh, we haven't had enough guys play well for a while. Too many guys not contributing enough. Some of the things he wants to see improve, slow puck play, losing too many battles, the wall play, among the things he need improving and our adjustment of the game for pro drain techs for peace of mind down the line. So McDavid was given a major penalty for boarding with 6.33 left in the third period. Here is the definition of boarding out of the NHL rulebook. A boarding penalty shall be imposed on any player who checks or pushes a defenseless opponent in such a manner that causes the opponent to hit or impact the boards violently or dangerously. The severity of the penalty based upon the impact with the boards shall be at the discretion of the referee. And then further down, there's a little section that says major penalty. The referee at his discretion may assess a major penalty based on the degree of violence of the impact with the boards to a player guilty of boarding an opponent. It doesn't say anything specifically about uh, an injury or blood or anything like that, but it was a five-minute major on McDavid. Okay, so the Oilers have lost back-to-back games for the first time all season. They're 16-7 and on the year, along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Centre for Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, Tippett covered off a lot of things there, things uh, you often talk about. What, uh, what stood out for you? Well, I liked right at the very beginning. Uh, one of the reporters asked, you know, depth players are a problem. And Dave Tipp said, no, no, I didn't say depth players. I said everybody. And it's true. When the teams has been outplayed as they have in three, the last three games, certainly, but there's been other games this year, it's not just, oh, the bottom two lines are out there. They're not very good. And then the top two lines come out and all of a sudden they carry the play. The, the others haven't been good. Uh, probably seven of the nine periods they played in the last three games. They were by far uh, the the second best team on the ice. They've had two good periods in their last three games. And for, fortunately for the Oilers, they were able to steal a game against the Pittsburgh Penguins because they're great goaltending. But uh, Dave Tippett, he was honest with his assessment. This, this has been going on for a while. It has talked about their, they've talked in the dressing room. They have to have good starts. They didn't. And some of the responses tonight, too, the Oilers gave up, uh, Kenny, I think it was the second goal. The, I can't remember if it was the first or the second, but right after the goal, the, the LA Kings came down with a partial breakaway in the very next shift. That's not a good response. So uh, I do believe this is a wake-up call, that the Oilers are a good hockey club, but not good enough to overcome poor starts and subpar play. They're, they may be talented, but if teams outwork them, you see what can happen over the last two games. So 5-1 the final. That means a $100 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous for every Edmonton Oilers goal. James H. Brown and Associates' unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, and unrivaled results is giving 100 bucks to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, the total for the year up to $8,600. So you, you often say if, if a team is is beaten and and maybe some of the details are the of the game aren't being taken care of you know it's easy to say well okay like work harder <laughs> sure but uh you know a player isn't all of, all of a sudden gonna will himself to skate 
uh, 10% faster or gain 10% muscle mass between mm-hmm. now and, and, and Tuesday. I, I mean, certainly there's, you know, mental commitment and concentration or those types of things. So how do they, how do they start getting back to the level of execution that Tippett would like to see? Well, you actually just said it, mental commitment. Uh, I think that is, that's huge for this team. I think when they struggle uh, and don't play as well, it's the mental part of the game where, where they turn pucks over, they make bad passes, they make poor decisions. Uh, until Darnell, Nor- Darnell Nurse scored that shorthanded goal, zero energy from the others. There was zero excitement in their game. And you could tell because the building was quiet. The, the play, there was no physical play. The, there was no urgency in their game. And I think when the Oilers fall behind and you see they, they melt those comebacks in the third periods, and we've seen it a number of times this year, the, the number one thing they have is urgency. They, if there's a puck battle, they win that puck battle. If there's a race for the puck, they get there. If they've got a chance to, to create a scoring chance, the pass is perfect. Uh, if they're, someone's back-checking, they catch their guy. There's always urgency in what they're trying to do, and you haven't seen that in, in a number of peri- periods as of late. They tried to wade themselves into a hockey game, and all right, well, we'll keep this close, then our power play will get a couple. And I, I, I liked what Dave Tippett said, too, that their specialty teams has masked a lot of their issues as of late. They've had poor five-on-five games, but they've won the game by a goal because their power play will score two goals or their penalty killing will kill off four. So to me, until the Oilers start games with urgency, they're going to continue to struggle out of the gate. And uh, we talked about it on the pregame show that the LA Kings are a team with some experience uh, they're capable of closing out games, and that's what they did tonight. They got the lead, and again, when teams that are lesser talented get the lead, they don't have to get out of their game plan. They can simply stay in the game plan because they don't need to extend the lead. They've already got it. Well, and I think that's important to talk about. I mean, clearly, one of the top players in the National Hockey League getting thrown out of a game is is going to be a, a story. I, I, I don't think he'll be suspended personally i mean and he, I got, don't, he got the major yeah, he'll always look at it yep. but um but up until that point so that was 13 27 into the third period the Oilers had four shots on goal mm-hmm. in a game they're trying to tie now yes the, there were a couple of times they they had zone time and didn't get a shot but maybe that's part of the story they had zone time but the the puck still didn't get to the net i mean the kings were very very good at defending and as you said kind of sucking the energy out of the game well it was a 5-1 score it wasn't a 5-1 game but if Connor mcdavid doesn't get kicked out up until that point the la kings were the better team and it, it wasn't close they uh, they created more chances they limited the oilers best players and uh, in the defensive zone, yeah, the, the others would have zone time, but they'd be all on the perimeter on the outside. And to me, again, that's a lack of urgency, a lack of commitment. Uh, if you want to score against a Jonathan Quick or you want to score against a team that's got Drew Doughty on the back end, you've got to be in the, the danger zones. You've got to be in the, uh, the hard zones to play in. And the others weren't in those positions very often tonight. And a big reason that they, they lost this hockey game, L.A. got to play the L.A. style of game. And they were they executed it perfectly all right so and the power plays uh turned out being a a big story the power play update for extreme power products your full line kubota dealer with locations in saint paul westlock and vegreville check out extreme with an x 
powerproducts.com. Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. The Kings wind up going three for five on the power play. The way it works on a major, and I actually didn't even know this myself until a few years ago, if you have a five-minute major, then the way they work, the, the way they record it is, is a new power play starts. Oh, I didn't know that either. So... They I thought if you had went, one power play and you scored three on a five, I thought you were three for one. Yeah, they don't do it, though. I know. I thought they would just oh. be like, well, you were 300%. But no, <laughs> so every time the Kings scored, uh, they were given a new power play. So they're three oh. for five on the evening. The Oilers were 0 for 2. Edmonton's only goal was shorthanded, which, uh, like we were talking about in the second intermission, kind of a weird stat. The Kings have allowed a league-leading five shorthanded goals against in 23 games. But, uh, I mean, they went out there and did what they had to do. I mean, five-minute power play, put it away. Why but, not? But having said that, I still, in, in, in that five-minute power play until they, they, they got the last two, I, I still thought, you know, they, their power play was still struggling to keep the puck in the offensive zone. There was one shift, and actually the best 40 seconds of the game for one player is at Camp Fay. Is that how you say his name? Camp Fay. Oh, Camp Fay, yes. He, so he takes, he, he gets the best player in the league kicked out. He had an unbelievable back check on a, an opportunity where the Oilers looked like they were going to get a breakaway shorthanded, and then he scores all in a span of 40 seconds. But the LA Kings did bleed chances there over the first 40 seconds of that power play they had. Eventually, they scored a goal and gave themselves a little bit of relief. But I could see how they give up shorthanded goals because they were a little sloppy, and the Oilers were trying to take advantage of it. Once the Oilers fell behind 3-1, that's why the second, the fourth and fifth, the Oilers were starting to cheat at that point as they had to since they're going to be shorthanded for the, almost the remainder of the game. All right, so back-to-back losses for the Oilers for the first time this season. Their record now 16-7 and as they start off what I, I think is going to be a very difficult six-game homestand mm-hmm. uh, with a defeat, just their second loss on home ice this season. They're now 9-2 and two at Rogers Place. Nowhere close to the Japanese Village goal light tonight. We turn that on on 630shed.com whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, and that allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. Let's go back down to the Hall of Fame room. Zach Hyman and Darnell Nurse. Zach, uh, can you talk about your opposition tonight and how tough it was to kind of create chances? Not a lot of odd man rushes for you guys tonight. Yeah, no, they played well. Um, I mean, they came with a plan, obviously, and, and they stayed above the puck. There, was, there wasn't much room out there on the rush at all. Uh, and then once we started getting going, it was a little bit too late. Darnell, uh, your first game action tonight. What did you see uh, in terms of the res- final result tonight? Uh, yeah, they, they put a strong checking game. We didn't respond enough and battle hard enough, and uh, they come out with a, with a 5 on one Darnell, how was it tonight after missing the last two weeks for yourself? Fine. Uh, first period, you get back into groove things a little bit, and then it's like, uh, just like it felt before I got here. And how did you see Connor's penalty? From your standpoint, oh, it is what it is. We got five minute power play. We can't let in three. So, thank you, Darnell. You're you're an emotional guy. You're one of the leaders of this team. I know you've been out for a bit, but you guys have been giving up the first goal just consistently all year long. And sometimes maybe it's bad luck or not. But you're playing catch up too often. Very few teams can have a winning record. You guys are 27, two and one in your last 30 games when you score first. So obviously it's a big advantage. What do you feel has been the issue this year? Because it wasn't really an issue last year. Uh, <clears throat> it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, 
we know every team that we play against, we're going to get their A game because the, the way we've started the season, found ways to win games. Um, so every team that we play against, they come out uh, on, on top of the game, on their toes. And we need to have, you know, that push and make other teams react to us. I mean, I mean, as a team, we don't go out there and want to give up the first goal. Like that's not our, that's not our objective. Uh, on the base, our, our, our objective is to go out there and get the first goal. Um, I think for us, we just gotta push the envelope a little bit more to, you know, I'm not saying take chances or anything, but just bring the bring the game to other teams as opposed to, yeah, we know every team's gonna try to bring it to us. Zach, you mentioned that they did a good job in, in what they wanted to do. What's what didn't work for you guys that that you wanted to do but kind of took you too long to get to? What what was lacking maybe in the first thirty minutes? Five on five. I think just being hard on the puck. I mean, I think in order to create offense against a team like that, you got to do it off the the cycle because they they stack it up and, and they're one three one and they sit back. So um, you got to score greasy goals. Got to get to the net, and they did a good job boxing us out. So there wasn't much around the net. Yeah, very true. That's Zach Hyman and Darnell Nurse. Just not a lot of second opportunities not a lot of traffic around the net uh quick quick did make some good saves especially that glove save on dry settle in the first period but i mean i'm looking at the third period rob when fogel spun out of the corner and stuffed the puck into the crease that's the closest the oilers came to scoring and really did wasn't that close no it, <laughs> was, it was exciting for us because that was the first chance that the Oilers actually went to the blue paint uh, before we heard those guys talk we, I, we said that the Oilers were too perimeter didn't spend any time in the blue paint in the hard areas and then Zach Hyman just echoed exactly that that the Oilers uh, they stayed on the outside and if you're going to beat LA uh, Quick may not be the goalie that he was, but he's still a very good goaltender. And if you're always on the perimeter shooting and there's no second shot and there's no tip and there's no traffic, he's going to be even better. So uh, the Oilers didn't do the things that they needed to do, and that's urgency, that's execution, that's hard work. And L.A. may not have the talent. they got they got a couple players that are still... Uh, quite quite good in the National Hockey League, but they got a lot of young players trying to make their way, and a lot of guys that are, are not really named players, but they work hard, and the others didn't take advantage of those players and got outworked by them. And I think part of it is pride. Those players are coming in, they say, all right, we're playing against a good hockey club. They've got some stars over there. We're going to have to go out there and play a perfect game, execute exactly how we want. And the LA Kings did that, and the Edmonton Oilers didn't. 5-1 is the final. We will congratulate Cheryl for winning a $50 gift card to River Cree Resort and Casino. I set the line before the game at total goals in the first period at one and a half, and Cheryl took the under. So there you have it. River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement. Bet on it. Okay, 780-496-0063 as the Oilers lose 5-1 to the Kings. We have Matt on the open line. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Hey, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about that play with McDavid tonight. Um, you know, it's a little bit frustrating seeing that happen. I, I know I know it was a penalty every time that should be called, but it's not called enough. Um, and even seeing that play against Phoenix where uh, McDavid got the goal there and he got cross-checked from behind, um, just as a fan, it's, it's, it's very frustrating putting the money in and the time in to, to watch all these games and, and see the NHL. Um, just not put the effort in to protect their stars. Um, I mean, you know, it's tough every time. I know I'm going to turn the TV on. I'm going to watch every single night. But uh, uh, and I know the boy didn't play that good tonight. Um, 
for sure. They were down. They were outshot and everything. But uh, when it's a 2-1 game and, and they're one shot away from getting into it, and I know it was 2 nothing, and, and they got that one goal, and, uh, you know, they started to turn it around, and then that play happens. And like I said, it's, it's definitely a penalty, but uh, it's just it's frustrating to see that happen um, where I, I don't think he really did mean to intend to do that. Um, though It should be called for sure. It's two minutes. That's boarding. That should happen. I don't think it was five in the game. Uh, I don't think it will be a suspension. But, uh, you know, it, I think that really changed the game. And I think a lot of fans, Oilers fans, and, and league fans are frustrated with the way that uh, the league is calling this stuff, even with how, uh, you know, even what happened with Matthews tonight, um, getting mauled down and, and everything, and he got called. And, and uh, like I said, it's just it's frustrating to see this happen this week. Yeah, well, th- thanks, man. We appreciate the call. Uh, I, I think that that type of hit should be called well, to me, more, to me, more often. Yes, it sure. should be called all the time. It's defenseless player facing the glass. He has no chance to, to protect himself. And it wasn't a player that cha- turned. A lot of times, too, you'll see a player turn at the last second. You can't stop your momentum. You finish. Yep. And the he, rule book says that that should be taken well, into consideration. Yeah, so this, to me, it, it was a boarding call, automatic. There was no question about it, and when he was bleeding it, to me, it becomes five. And I, I said to you, two seconds after that hit, I knocked on the glass in between you, and I put five fingers up. I said that's going to be a five-minute major, and it should be. It just as if that was Connor McDavid or Leon Drysaddle got hit that way, I, I, I can't, uh, we, I can't talk about plays that happen in other games because those we discuss those after those games. There have been calls that should have been called against the other stars that weren't, but. When it's done, when the others do make the, the play, when the others do make the mistake or take the penalty, then you have to call it out as it is. To me, it's a five-minute major that should have been called. Uh, I don't believe it'll be a suspension because I think he hit the numbers and not the not the head. But it was the right call. And unfortunately for the others, they weren't good enough through the first 34 or, I guess, 40 or 54 minutes that uh, put them in the position that they were behind. So this was a game that they deserved to lose, and I believe the referees made the right call. All right, 5-1 Los Angeles takes it. You can get us on the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed pro all the way. It's 780-496-0063. Back in a couple of minutes for more Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Puck turned over. Here's Roy. He'll shoot it. Save made by Koskinen as Roy could walk in, and Miko Koskinen held onto it. All right, thanks to Reface Magic. That's the save of the game. Transform your kitchen with ease. See the magic at refacemagic.ca. Koskinen with 35 stops on 40 shots. Jonathan Quick stops 21 of 22. 12 of the Oilers' 22 shots were in the second period. They had just six in the first and four in the third. Los Angeles pulls away with three power play goals late in the third period to win it 5-1. the weird year for the Los Angeles Kings. They won one time in their first seven games. Then they won seven in a row. And now this victory, just their second in their last nine as they go to 10, nine, and four on the season. The Oilers' six-game homestand will continue on Wednesday. They're going to take on the Minnesota Wild. Pretty good team with some exciting players. That's going to be a fun one to watch. Okay, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Jim on the line. Hi, Jim. Thanks for calling. Hi there. Uh, yeah, I agree with you uh, on the uh, on the penalty. It's it's uh, when there's blood there, uh, it's an automatic five minutes, right? I, I don't think it's the, automatic. The, yeah, the, the I I read the rule book there early. It, earlier. It actually does not say that an injury or blood for a boarding penalty 
is automatically five, but I'm sure that factored in. Well, I guess they go by the viciousness of it or, yeah. or the yeah. nastiness uh, of it, and if there's blood, that usually means it's a little more vicious. And, and another question on the team. How, how many back-to-backs uh, -back do, uh, 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 does our team have this year? Oh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, this month they have one. Kings and Sharks uh, in January. They're going to, well, and then they have December 31st and January 1st. So I guess two coming up here in the next four weeks. And uh, they actually do not have one the rest of January. Probably have, what, about six, seven over the course of the year, somewhere around there, yeah. maybe. Wow, that, that's amazing because uh, I don't know what's going on the team down below there in Alberta, but they got 14. Back to back. Oh, I mean, I, and I was only guessing on six seven. It could we could have more. Yeah, I'd, just, I'd have to look it up. I didn't. I didn't record that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, here we go. A closer look at the schedule. The I just saw it and now it went off. I, I okay. The I believe it said the Oilers have the... Okay, here we go. The Islanders play the most back-to-back -back games in the league with 19. The Oilers have the fewest with nine. Uh, it doesn't have every team listed, though. So, But I, I assume he read the, uh, the Flames have 14 somewhere. So, yeah. All right, all, actually, the Oilers are pretty good in back-to-back -back games. Have been ever since Dave Tippett ta has taken over. Back-to-backs are different nowadays than they were... Uh, for example, my era, because they they charter everywhere, uh, they're in better shape. They look after each other, or look after themselves better. So the back-to-back -back games don't hurt teams as much as they did in the old days when you have to get up real early in the morning and take a commercial flight and fly somewhere else to play another game. Yeah, it depends on time zones, the actual yeah. time between the games. Uh, the Oilers do have the, the last two games of the year for the Oilers are back-to-back, -back, but they're home games. Usually back-to-backs are on the road, but there yeah. might be one or two occasions where uh, you get a home game back-to-back. -back. It, it might be difference in, in the... I, I don't know what all the Islanders' back-to-backs are, but if it's home and then they're at the Rangers the next day, I mean, clearly no, they're, not, they're not flying or anything. And I, I'm sure... Part of it could be scheduling. Didn't the Islanders have to start a bunch of games on the road? To start yeah, well, the I think their first 13 were on the road. While so I'm sure that finished. has caused some scheduling headaches for the for the National Hockey League. I, I don't think back-to-back -back games are that uh, tough on teams as they used to be. I well, think it's much different nowadays. The Oilers have won more back-to-back -back games the last two years than they did in previous years. They've also won more games overall. Yes. I mean, when you're you're better, you tend to win more <laughs> on the road, at home, back-to-back, -back, afternoon, <laughs> you know. Usually. It's true. So That is true. But, uh, yeah, thanks for, Jim, for mentioning that. I I, uh, I didn't have the number for sure. 780-496-0063. Brad is on the line as well. Hey, Brad. Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. So I texted you earlier. I, the last game I went to was against the L.A. Kings, and... Patrick Maroon took a five-minute yep. major, and they scored three goals in that game, too. January 3rd, 2018. It's yep. my fault they lost, guys. But well, actually, I, I just just come to different teams. Don't come for the L.A. games. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rob, am I correct? Did you play for Daryl Sutter? I did. I played for Daryl uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. So if you had – if Sutter were the coach or Ken Hitchcock were the coach, and the Oilers – played against a team out of the playoffs and they're being outshot 13 to 2 
what would it, how would they handle that in practice or an intermission? What would they do that Tippett's not doing? <laughs> well, I couldn't say. say I know you can't swear. Yeah, I, I couldn't say what Hitch would or, or Daryl would say because it would uh, I'd be kicked off the radio. Uh, they're old school. Let's put it this way: they're old school, and. Uh, there is an expectation about how you're supposed to play each and every night, and there wouldn't be a lot of... It wouldn't be a two-way conversation. It would be a one-way conversation, and I would learn some new words. Uh, they would certainly... Hitch, Hitch, was an, Hitch would tell you what he felt when you were winning. When you were losing, it got even nastier. Well, I just... I, I can't believe the Flames are so good this year. Uh, they almost never have the other team score first, and once the Flames score first... I know Vegas is up now, but... It's like they, once the Flames score first, the game's over. And with the Oilers, you notice, like, I went to the game, as I mentioned, and the Kings will play a 1-3-1 unless McDavid or Drysaddle out. And then they almost play, like, five guys behind their own blue line. They they just they give you no space in their own zone. They don't allow a rush attack or odd man rush. And I just feel like the Oilers, when they play other teams, they focus on McDavid and Drysaddle so much, and the rest of the team has a hard time scoring. It seems like almost the other teams have figured out how to stop the Oilers scoring five on five, and I really worry about the lack of depth and that we'll have another first-round exit. So I was wondering what you guys think of that. And last point, I don't know if you've noticed this, but um, the Oilers have lost seven games and six were the teams not in the playoffs. So I don't know if that's a lack of urgency or intensity or they don't take the opponents seriously, but the other opponents sure take the Oilers seriously, and uh, I'm really frustrated as a fan about that. So I'll hang up and listen to your comments. Yeah, really good points. I know Bob and I, right after the game, talked about the fact that the Oilers have struggled against the Buffaloes, the Detroits, uh, the Kraken, uh, L.A., teams that are on the bo- near the bottom of the standings. And I do believe sometimes you don't get as up for games against those teams. When, when Pittsburgh comes in, there's an excitement. When you're playing against Vegas, when you're playing against, well, when the Battle of Alberta and sometimes there's a drop of in- intensity in the word urgency, absolutely. And you could see it in this game tonight, and you could see it through 40 minutes in Seattle. Uh, as for the Calgary Flames, you said you're surprised. I was, I'm shocked at how well their season has gone, and good on them. Daryl Sutter has them playing a style of hockey that fits the, the team that they have, and they're doing it very, very well. As for first-round playoffs, uh, the Edmonton Oilers are a better team than they were last year. Uh, we won't know if they're a better playoff team, obviously, until May comes around. Yeah, I always, I, I understand what Brad was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when the Oilers, when the Oilers played Philadelphia, Philadelphia was better, right? So, well, yeah, like yeah. now they <laughs> look like, but you know, because the standing can change so much. But yeah, I, I understand his general point for sure. It looks like it's official. Jim Benning's out in Vancouver. Uh, Sportsnet, I just got that as a breaking news that Jim Benning is fired the same night as the coaching as, change. As Travis Green. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get back to Oilers lose 5-1 to the Kings. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Adrian Kempe scores twice as the Los Angeles Kings beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-1. Darnell Nurse, the only goal for Edmonton. It was shorthanded in the second period with assists from Nugent Hopkins and Hyman as we'll check the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer looking for parts service rentals or new and used semi-trailers head to edmontontrailer.com the Blackhawks beat the Islanders 3-2 in a shootout after the Islanders tied it with four seconds left in the third 
The Jets beat the Maple Leafs 6-3 late in the second period, about five minutes left. The Golden Knights up 1-0 on the Flames. The Lightning hammer the Flyers 7-1, and the Blue Jackets beat the Sharks 6-4. CFL, it's going to be once again Winnipeg and Hamilton in the Grey Cup. Tiger Cats beat Toronto 27-19 in the East Final, and the uh, Blue Bombers beat Saskatchewan 21-17 in the West Final. I'm just seeing some tweets here from Alan Walls, who's a very... Uh, outspoken player agent who in the last 20 minutes or so has posted this on Twitter. He says, Oilers defenseman William Laguson had his best game in the NHL Friday night. What happens? Dave Tippett never told him he's out tonight. Didn't tell him to skate with the scratches. He finds out just before the game. It's the kind of disrespect from a coach that destroys teams. William Laguson has done everything asked of him by the organization. Players get scratched and have no issues with that. All we ask is to be treated with respect and Dave Tippett has shown that he doesn't care to do that with his players. Uh, so that is Alan Walsh, who if you follow on Twitter, um, you know is uh, extremely outspoken, and some people like him and some people don't. Uh, he's saying that about obviously his his client, who he's going to represent. Uh, Dave Tippett did indicate when he spoke even at 4 o'clock that Darnell Nurse, that they would skate with 7D just be, to be mm-hmm. careful during the warm-up before they made their final decision. I, on a, so, I don't know. If, if if that was me and my agent came out and said that, I'd be mad. I really would. Um, the, yeah, you, you, don't, you don't need that hanging over your head if you're a young hockey player. Uh, he, he sh- I don't believe he could, should have come out and said those things in a tweet. An agent could say things privately. He could go to the general manager, say, we're not happy about this. He could go... I don't know he could ask his player to go to the coach and say, okay, well, what's going on if you don't like something? But no, I don't think you air your dirty laundry in the, in the, uh, over the, go publicly like that, over something such as that. So no, I think that's wrong on Alan Walsh's fault, part. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He put it out there, so I'll report it. I mean, he is a name in the, Yep. In the in the hockey world, so if he if he says something, it's going to get uh, uh, attention. Yeah, just uh, if you have a problem with it, go to the general managers. Tell, go, you so, got, so, got him on speed now. So would your expectation be, if 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 a if an injured player is coming back, mm-hmm. and he is in, or there's a game time decision. As, would you expect that the player who might come out be told ahead of time? No. Nope. Just saying, hey, uh, uh, there's, you know, Booger's there's, coming back tonight, and if he's healthy, you're the guy coming out? I, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been scratched in my career, and there's games you come off at a warm-up, and the trainer will be standing there as you come off, and he'll give you a tap because you're not in tonight. That's how you find out, and that's happened a number of times in my career. I, did, I went into warm-up expecting to play, and if I didn't play, it was... The, the, co- the trainer would tell you the coach never would. That's happened a number of times. And in a position, well, when I was in Chicago, Mike Keenan would watch warm-up, and that's how he decided who played and who didn't. Uh, and then when you had an extra player, so the, the problem is if you tell a player, said, okay, if Darnell's playing tonight, you're out. That player doesn't prepare the exact same way if he was going into the warm-up thinking he's playing. Because in warm-up, now you're watching that player. You're watching Darnell. Okay, how's he look? Is he shooting well? You just don't prepare the same. So uh, I think Alan Walsh is in the wrong on this. As a player, I would not want my agent putting that out there. All right, we'll go to the Certainty Hotline, 780-496-0063. We have Eddie standing by. Hey, Eddie, go ahead. 
Hello? Hey, Eddie, go ahead. Hey, uh, I just want to say I'm absolutely disgusted at how they treat Connor and Dreisaitl. Today, yeah, he was guilty, but there are other times. It's just disgusting how there's a double standard with him. He is not even an opinion, but he's the best player in the world. And not just us Oiler fans, like you see fans in uh, Calgary, Vancouver, Toronto, U.S., they all want to see him. He's an exciting player. And, you know, when, when you call these calls on him, you're restricting this player to be the best that he can. And I'm really getting sick of these double standards. If I ran the Oilers organization, I would approach Connor and be like, you know what, take some time off. Not to punish him, but to punish the NHL to not see such a great player like him. Thank you. Well, that's interesting in in how it gets handled uh, behind the scenes. I I wouldn't tell him to take time off because that hurts your team. So I would never tell him to do that. That hurts your team more than it hurts the NHL. are there well you could say well he's not going to go to the all-star game or stuff like that yeah but, but then you're punishing the player yeah so i mean ken holland advocates with the national hockey league all the time says we're, we need calls I'm, i am sure that they send in videos and say all right here's where calls should be made and there are nights and we've talked about it many many times where there was nights where the oilers deserved more power plays connor deserved more power plays against him uh, tonight i i just think this is the wrong night to talk about it because the penalty he took was a penalty so i don't know i to me i don't believe you start going on well he should have had these calls three weeks ago we did those calls we did those shows those there were nights where he should have had calls called against him there's been a number of missed calls this year a number of them but i, I don't think you bring it up on a night where because what he that was that was a penalty that to me it was a five minute major and if you don't call it then that's wrong so uh, there will be a game coming up right away where there's going to be calls that are missed on Connor, and we can talk about it then. But tonight, to me, it doesn't make sense to do it because any way you, you slice it, that was a five-minute major. Yeah, it was. It, it was for sure. Look, I'm, I'm just – and I've said this before. And, I, I look, when you call in, we don't know what you want to talk about. And we, we take calls to share conversation with hockey fans and stuff. And, and I've done shows on referees for sure. We did one an entire we night. Did, we did an entire night. But we said and, – and we got really good calls. Very good. But, but, but we said, look, let's just not call in and complain and call refs stupid. P- pretend you were the the rules guy or you could give a one-hour presentation to officials in the auditorium about how you'd like the game to be officiated and and i think that's you know kind of what uh, what eddie was was saying there too about standards and stuff but yep. you know it, it's just to me again if you want to call in and talk about it but like it's it's fine i mean we never know what the topic's going to be when we answer the call but I, me personally, after a while, it's like, okay, like, just play. <laughs> and again, like I was saying earlier, the good teams usually win, whether they the officiating is bad or not. Well, if, you're, if you're a good enough team, you shouldn't have to necessarily rely on, on calls for the game to go your way. Well, and tonight, that's not why they lost. They, they weren't good enough. The LA Kings were the better team through the first 40, or I guess it'd be 54 minutes of this hockey game until that penalty was called. The Oilers weren't good enough. There's, 
the, the Oilers have things that they have to correct in their game if they want to be a, a championship team. Dave Tippett talked about talked about it. There was no talk about the... I guarantee you that Dave Tippett is not going to be talking to his team tomorrow about calls that were missed. I'm sure he's not even going to talk about with his team the call on Connor. He's going to talk about their starts. He's going to talk about poor execution, not getting pucks in deep, uh, miscommunications. That's what he's going to talk about. That's where the Oilers have got to get better. The Oilers' last three games have not been very good. And it has nothing to do with refereeing in those last three games. It has been uh, from top to bottom. This team hasn't been good enough. And as one, I think as one of the callers called earlier, it's 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 good. Or actually, I think it was one of the reporters. Is this good that it's happening now? Well, yeah. Uh, you're facing adversity now. Let's fix things now before it gets too late into the season. Okay, we'll bring uh, Mike onto the line as well. Hey, Mike, thanks for calling. Hey, Mike. Yeah, I'm here, guys. Yeah, go ahead, man. Hey, uh, first of all, uh, six thirty chats play by play, best best in the business. It's like I'm it's like I'm sitting there at the game when uh, when you guys call a game. I love it. Well, I appreciate that. I'll uh, tell Mooner and Jack that you said that too. And um, Bob. To echo a little bit of what one of the callers said earlier, three days, last three games to call you guys regarding Tippett. Tippett historically almost has a, a bit of a curse trying to get three teams through the first round, and uh, the, today was the first game I didn't I, I actually missed watching. Um, I was putting up the Christmas tree with the wife, but I haven't missed watching a game in probably three years. And us getting outshot at an average of probably two to one in the first two periods as of late. And then, you know, the line juggling where it seems the whole team relies on Drysaddle and McDavid being teamed up in the third period to try to pull our ass out of a hole. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm I don't, I, I'm not saying Tippett should be, you know, at the level of like a Tortorella where guys don't even want to play for him. Mm. But it sure would be nice to see some life out of him regarding motivating the team and regarding the, the constant lack of calls um, uh, that I, I truly feel McDavid and Dreisaitl are almost being punished for being so damn good because in some cases the other team would have, you know, probably 10 or 15 penalties over the course of a game. Yeah, Mike, let me, let, me just a- let me just ask you that something here. Like when you say you'd like to see more life out of the, out of the coach, like give me an example. Or, or, or something another coach does that you think Tippett should do? Well, again, like, there's, it's, 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 he's, he lacks emotion when it comes to uh, any, any interview, for that matter. I'm, I'm assuming I'm, 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 that his, his, his demeanor is the same with the, with the guys. I've never seen him incensed over, over anything. Um, you know, whether it's lack of calls regarding its lack of uh, lack of performance by the team. Um, I, I just I, I think there's too many times the team ends up relying on McDrys- on Dreisaitl and McDavid, and he, he needs to be more of a motivator. As getting out shot, you know, you know, 30 to 14 after two periods, um, it, it's, it's unacceptable at this level with the team that we have, especially the team that we have this year. We have a we have a killer team. We have three solid lines, you know. I, I, we sh- we shouldn't be we, we shouldn't be uh, losing to games that should be gimmies like against Buffalo and Detroit and the Kraken. I don't understand. You know, teams like Calgary would at least be getting ties out of those games, and we're getting blown out. It's embarrassing. I mean, good points. I, I, I think, the, in all honesty, one of the things that the Oilers miss right now is having the emotion of a Mike Smith in their lineup. You know, maybe Dave Tippett isn't the have the emotion on a bench that some other coaches have, but Mike Smith does. 
And Mike Smith is a guy that's very colorful and, and loud and in your face. And the others, their leadership is a quiet leadership. You know, Leon and Connor and Nugent Hopkins, very quiet type players is, is from what we see from up here that they do need sometimes a little color, a little energy to, to get the, the adrenaline, the emotion going. I agree with that. Maybe it's from Mike Smith. Maybe it's they, they've had players here in the past kind of um, uh, guys that are third, fourth liners that added that kind of uh, raw, raw or in your face or hold you accountable uh, verbally. Uh, that that needs sometimes a kick in the pants. Uh, the other question I got for you, real or fake? What did you have as a new tree? Like, what's your tree that you put up tonight, real or fake? I'm sorry. Did you put a tree? You said you put your Christmas tree up tonight with your wife. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we oh. no, we were putting it up. We were putting it up. <laughs> is it real or fake? Do you have a real tree fake. or a fake tree? Fake I got to know. Tree. This is my wife and I just bought a fake one for the first time in 53 years, and I'm really sad and disappointed. Do you guys have real or fake? Fake tree. Yeah, well, there You've you go. You've been married 53 years? No, I've been, no, I'm, no, my, I've had for my entire oh. life, I've only ever had a real tree <laughs> at Christmas. And it was hard to find one, and I couldn't justify because they jacked the prices up. So we went fake for the first time in my life. And it's sad. So it's, I just want to know what this gentleman did. I, I will say this uh, Dave Tippett was uh, quite blunt during practice yesterday about being unhappy with something, and we definitely heard it. Sitting in the stands. Well, a lot of times, too, you see, we see the demeanor on the bench. We don't see the demeanor in the dressing room. We don't see it uh, when they have one-on-ones. Uh, and obviously, unless you're uh, part of the, the small media group that comes in, you don't see it during practice. So I'm not... He does have a very calm demeanor on the bench. You don't see his expression change a whole lot, even more so nowadays when they have to wear masks. So you're just trying to read his eyes. Um... Some teams need a demonstrative-type coach. Some don't. Uh, to me, it's as a player, it's, it's up to the players. I, I still, I, the, the Oilers should be better in some of these games. They haven't, and that's it's parts on the coach, but certainly a lot of that's on the players. Well, I, I think, first of all, See, I see. I'm a little different, I think, from from some people, and and I'll, I'll, no, res- you're I'll respectfully disagree with with Mike that. I just think there's more to coaching and leading at a at the level of pro sports than than flying off the handle. I think maybe sometimes it's appropriate, but uh, I mean, let me ask you, uh, let me ask people this, and uh, they'll know where I'm going. Like, when have you seen Bill Belichick get angry in a news conference? Like, if anything, he just goes the other. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Like he was he was pissed off about that game. Because they got crushed by whoever. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on. He was just like, no, I, I, we're not. You know, he, he's, he and he's had some success. That guy. He, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. now, now having said that, you know, Greg Popovich with the Spurs, sometimes he gets a little animated. I, I think you got to go with your personality. You, you and do. Maybe sometimes it might not mesh with the team. I don't think that's the problem with 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 Tippett. But I, but I, I will I will say this. Um, I, I understand what you're saying, Rob, and I and I overall agree with you. It's on the players to be prepared no. to start a game. But if it continues to be a problem, a coach has to step in, or but, a coaching but, staff has to step. But what in. do you? What can you step well, in and a do? Me, a mental game, like McClellan did a few years ago. Oh yeah, but do we know they're not doing that though? That's the problem. Is we don't know what's going on in the dressing room. Like he came out and said we talked about it before we went on. But yeah, a challenge. You say we got to shoot them. In the first five minutes of the game, we have to every time. I hit Ken Hitchcock when we used to have certain games when we struggled. Every time you got to the red line, you dump the puck in, no matter what. You could be on a breakaway. 
You had to dump the puck in. On the power play, you're allowed one pass and shot. And these are just things when he would get mad at you, and this would just try to get you back into the right structure. So to start games, every game you had to dump the puck in. And for you do it for a while, then all of a sudden your game starts going because you get the forecheck going, and then he'll eventually get back to playing the way you want. But it's just a message being sent. Again, I don't know what's going on in that dressing room, but obviously there's something. Because this team is... We've seen their ability when they fall behind. We've seen what they're capable of doing in a third period. There's no way they should be getting outshot. At one point tonight, it was 11-2 to two to an average L.A. King Hockey Club. And the shots were 11-2 in your home rink coming off a loss. That's not near good enough. Okay, Kings win at 5-1. Uh, we'll get Salmon on the open line here quickly when we get back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Kings over the Oilers, 5-1. Final call tonight on the Certainty Hotline. We'll go to Sam. Hey, Sam, go ahead. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Uh, love your show. I just got one point. Uh, I was listening to the entire broadcast right from when Bob Stoffer came on and was surprised that Connor McDavid and Leon Dryto dry saddle were on the same line to start the game and uh, i thought dave tippett wanted to keep those guys separated to give more balance to the team and uh the final thing the person's name that i heard the most on the broadcast was costanen didn't hear anybody else just about yeah well the others didn't play well enough and they didn't have the puck enough yeah the lines like we've talked about and i actually i keep all the lines uh to start every game um and they've started more games apart than they've started together. So, and then in-game adjustments happen. And I will say this about um, somebody brought up Hitchcock. Uh, no coach that we have covered has been quicker to blender the lines than Hitch. Oh, no. No, no coach. <laughs> like He would blender between like, warm-up and the start of the game. Yeah. Uh, no, he like, I, I, it shouldn't affect the players at all. Um and in all honesty, the only time they ever blender a line is when the team's not playing very well, and the Oilers were not playing very well today through the first 56 minutes of this hockey game. Yeah, absolutely. So the Oilers are 16-7 and on the year. For the first time all season, they have a two-game losing streak. They will try to snap it on Tuesday night when they take on the Minnesota Wild. Of course, it's right here on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5.30, and the game will start at 7. Get more on this one on 6.30chad.com or globalnews.ca. Uh, we weren't able to get to the post game from Nuge and Fogle, so Angie's going to load that uh, on the Oilers page on the website so you can listen to that there. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer at Rogers Place, and to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer, back at 6.30 Ched. We have been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Kings take down the Oilers 5-1. Have a great night.